everyone and welcome back to Point of Sale, the retail supply chain show where we break down great retailers, the supply chains that move them, and of course the data that they use to make decisions. Um, as always, Point of Sale is not just a great podcast, one of the best here at Freeways, no bias or anything like that, um, but we are also a newsletter community. Um, so make sure that you guys are going to freightwaves.com slash POS and signing up for twice a week newsletter. I want to inform you guys of things that are happening on this show, fun articles that we have on FreightWaves.com, events that we have coming up in the future, which we will get to later, um, and other different community news. Um, Even more so, we actually have a new application coming out. um, You guys will hear more about soon. um, That will actually allow you guys to chat with each other in the community, um, chat with me directly, let me know what you'd like to see on the show more. So, We'll be getting a little bit more dynamic with our audience, which I'm very excited about. But um, put all that aside, um, wanted to dive into something really important to me, clearly, in this whole month as well. Um, Today is actually the second day of Women's History Month. Um, And to start off the month, I thought I would dive into a fun story that I found this weekend. Well, not really a story. It's a, a chain of actions that led to where a lot of women are and our rights and our abilities and our entrepreneurism today. Um, I'm going to take you guys back to the mid to late 1800s. Um, I know that's <laughs> pretty far back for all of us out there, but uh, we're looking at a time right around the Industrial Revolution where women's rights and um, honestly women in general were, were pretty held back when it came to um, the public. Uh, You know, they were centered around their homes. Um, Most of them, if not married, were working um, with their families on the farms, um, still within their their four walls. Um, It was pretty scarce to see women out in public. Um, It was one of those things where if you were a woman walking alone, it was very suspicious to men, very suspicious to other women and families to why that would be happening. It's clearly different society than we're living in today. Well, during this time, we actually had the Industrial Revolution, right? We started to um, started seeing different types of applications um, and um, refrigerators, cars, vehicles start to hit the household. Um, and during that, we also saw the development of the modern day department store. Now, a lot of you are probably laughing because clearly nowadays we're talking about whether or not department stores should exist, can exist, can they compete with Amazon, can they not? But during this time, that was a revolutionary idea. And for a lot of women, it actually changed the way that their lives um, exist even to this day. Um, so during that time, women were finally allowed to leave the household and were able to go to these department stores and do the majority of the shopping for the family. It was their first time where they felt free to go to places in public and not be judged and not be um, looked at or, or thought oddly of groups of women spending the day together, um, whether it was in a Sears or at, at a large department store like Harrods in London. Um, they finally got a chance to make their way into what we call the urban marketplace. Um, until this moment, with a department store as fancy as they were, with 
really nice restaurants and finally a place for a lot of them to use public bathrooms, um, that urban marketplace is no longer a dangerous world. Um, they're able to go buy furniture for their family, find textiles um, for their clothes, and, and really start to provide and make decisions for, for families in general. It became a day trip. It's, it's funny, you know, we look at stereotypes and they all come from someplace. And a lot of times, you know, it's women is, love to shop. It's more of a, a feminine type of activity, um, as some like to say. And that's where a lot of this actually stems from. At that time, it, it was a feminine activity. It was their chance to finally be free, for them to have a reason to leave the household and to spend these day trips with other women, visiting cities they've never been to, visiting restaurants within these department stores that they never got a chance to experience. Um, you have the Macy's restaurants in New York City could hold up to 2,500 people. Um, so for to a location to have that much seating available for for women was was huge at that time and it was safe for them I think that's one thing that people don't understand is that women in general didn't feel safe going out in public but these stores finally gave them a chance to to spend the day and, and enjoy themselves in a way that wasn't completely surrounded by family um, and with that came jobs I mean Harrods alone had 6,000 employees and by the time that department stores were really hitting their rise around 1900, 1910s, um, shopping was a feminine sport, you could say. Uh, there was no men inside these buildings that uh, running these jobs. It was, it was females. Um, and it was a white collar job. It was a really great job for a lot of them to have. And, and they made great money doing it. Um, so... At this time, right, we're seeing all of these women finally getting a chance to go out and, and, and realize the power and the wealth that they hold. Um, New York City alone had a, a location. It's actually about 440 buildings, 28 blocks near 15th Street and Park Avenue South called Ladies Mile. It's a historic district now today. And it was one of the fanciest places you could go. Celebrities would be there. Um, different types of royalty had apartments in this area. Bergdorf Goodman, Lord and Taylor, Tiffany and Company all had locations in this spot. And it was just a, a giant place. You guys could roll the, uh, a couple of those clips that women could go and feel feel safe, and especially somewhere like New York City. You know, we're not just talking about the suburbs uh, at this time. We're talking about the Industrial Revolution, where um, you know it's a time for them, like we said, to be safe. Um, and it really sparked what we call female consumerism. Uh, I think a lot of people joke <laughs> nowadays, you know, when they look at them go shopping, looking to spending this money. But that's what this industrial revolution and these department stores led to. It's just overall female consumerism, which then led to magazines like Ladies Home Journal, Good Housekeeping, um, and, and overall branding tailored towards women. I mean, when we got to about 1910, 90% of spending was controlled by women at that time, and a large part portion of that has to do with this type of department store throttle. Um, and it wasn't just uh, white American females that were taking advantage of this. Uh, Madam C.J. Walker is known as the first Black woman millionaire in this country. Um, she was able to start putting her hair and beauty products in these stores and not just took advantage of the ability to take... Um, take spots in these department stores, but she also helped develop 
distribution, marketing plans and training plans for other women to go out and start their own businesses. Um, it was it was just a huge revolution of of really women realizing the power and the strength that they have. At this time, they were known as the chief purchasing agents of their of their homes. And let's be honest, this is America. <laughs> when you have that leverage and you have that ability to control consumerism, with that comes right rights and leverage. So we're looking about 1910 into 1920, the National Consumers League started to realize the power that these women held and really pushed them to boycott department stores and for social change and um, better wages and better working conditions. And, and honestly, ended up going to the point where 1920, they got the, the right to vote. So I think it's important for people to realize that when we're talking about retail, we're talking about women's history, the department store was actually a huge, had a huge impact on where women are today. Um, That same National Consumers League helped push uh, into 1988, the Women's Business Ownership Act even, which actually forced the government to start looking at not just the data they had on women entrepreneurs, but how was credit given to women? Until that act in 1988, women were able to get loans without a cosigner, a male cosigner. And many of the people that testified in front of Congress um, had to have their sons, their younger sons co-sign for them. Um, and it just didn't make sense. So they were able to push their way and get that enacted in the late 80s. And now today, look at us. 70 to 80% of women are the uh, major purchasers within a household. Um, and all of this is just because of the department store and the freedom it gave women to go out make a difference and really show people, you know, this is what we want to see in our products. This is how we expect our products to be made, um, how we we want them to be marketed and how we expect them to be distributed at the end of the day as well. So just an interesting story I thought I'd uh, start this month off on and, and really show everyone, you know, as we're sitting here and thinking about what's the point of the department store that's the point of the department store. And, and I think even today, um, you'll see that women will continue to have a huge, huge impact on, on where goods are continued to be added and, and how businesses are going to improve even in retail today. So moving on from that, I wanted to introduce you guys to our main story today, which is a company that we haven't had a chance to talk about before, but they have a really interesting concept when it comes to retailers and their last mile delivery services. So with us, we have Mark Gorlin. He's the founder and CEO of Rody. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. And thank you for the uh, department store history lesson. Oh yeah, no problem. I love that you uh, enjoyed that. Uh, Mark, uh, before we go into Rody and what you guys are doing, can you give us a woman in history or maybe a woman in in retail or supply chain that has really inspired you? Absolutely. I mean, that's actually pretty easy um, considering uh, Rody was bought by UPS last year. It'd have to be Carol Tomei. Um, yeah. She's just amazing. I mean, she talks about making UPS, you know, better, not bigger. And she's shaking things up at a legacy company. I mean, that is really not easy to do. And, and she's making it work better, which can be seen in, you know, their stock price, their profitability, and just focusing on what's important for what UPS needs to be over the next hundred years, not the last hundred years. She cares a lot about innovation, which probably led them to look at making us part of the family. Um, and it's obvious that there's a lot of vision there because she's part of it. And 
separately. She's just a stone cold badass. So um, I, I, I think she's amazing and, and a mentor to me as well. Oh, awesome. It's funny you said, Carol, because we have constantly on the show and great quarter gals have talked about how that's our all-star guest that if we can get her on the show, um, we've made it. So I, I, you're giving that good juju. Thank you for doing that. Um, so Mark, can you dive into what roadie is and how you guys are servicing retailers last mile? Because I think it's a really interesting concept, the crowdsourcing delivery service that we haven't talked about yet. Sure. So we are we we work with you and me, small businesses, bakeries, florists, and the biggest retailers out there: the Home Depot, Best Buy, Tractor Supply, Bed Bath and Beyond, and more. Um, doing last mile delivery, but doing it in a way that's a little bit different. Utilizing the people in your community, they're ideally already leaving the stores and heading to where those deliveries need to go. So it might be your employees, it might be your customers, it might be somebody that's just proximate to your location. But we put this together and cover over 20,000 zip codes, over 200,000 drivers across the country. And this, you know, sort of pulling people who want to do it at the time has the same, if not better, on-time delivery performance than a dedicated fleet and the ability to expand a lot bigger because there's just a lot more vehicles in it than a, you know, fixed asset model where you only have so many vans to go do the deliveries, whether you're, you know, a huge retailer or you're the flower shop around the corner. I was just going to ask, what type of uh, retail uh, companies does this work well for? Um, is it as everyone or is there certain niches that this just works perfectly for? We're all over the place in terms of like working across retailers and even outside of retailers. So the home improvement space, um, you know, the sort of the farm and feed and outdoors with the, with the tractor supplies, Home Depot in the first. Um, just regular, you know, retail goods and and you think about a bed, bath and beyond. Um, we do prescriptions, we do groceries. Um, and even outside of retail, if you've ever been traveling and the airline has misplaced your bag and had to get it to you, we currently deliver bags for most of the major airlines, including Delta, Southwest, American and more. Wow. That's, I didn't even think that's a really interesting. It's, it's very you know, cool to think about it. Like, you're leaving the airport and you're heading somewhere where that bag needs to go anyway. And you can do it just the same as someone leaving the Home Depot and taking uh, taking a drill to you because you live three streets down from where they're going. You know, I just actually read in the Los Angeles Times, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that you were named one of the best applications for drivers to be a part of. How do you crowdsource these drivers? And, and how, clearly you're treating them well, but how do you find them? We, over the last seven years, have just created sort of a digital playbook to go out and find the right drivers in the right market at the right time. Because you have to understand, you, you don't need it. If you have too many, then they're not going to have things to do if they want. If you have too few, then you can't get stuff delivered. So it's a balance in every location, in every season, at every time of day, in any weather condition to do that. But I think the reason they like us more is the trust and transparency that the, the platform gives. Like in any other travel form, whether you're taking people or food, um, you sign up and then I need to bring you your sandwich or take you to where you want to go. I don't have a choice in the matter. With Roadie, if there's a drill leaving 123 Main Street and it is going to your house, um, the driver can see what it's going to pay, how far it is, what time it needs to be there by, and choose whether they raise their hand and offer to do that gig. Um, and if they do, the system picks the best driver in that area, but they have a lot more control, you know, over, you know, the work that they're doing. 
definitely. Um, I feel like this is probably is it is it easier to implement this for like a larger retailer or just is smaller retailers able to take advantage of this as well? All of the above. Um, you don't need a whole lot of gigs coming out of one particular retailer. So we handle massive retailers with a huge uh, omni-channel presence where a lot of people are buying and it's being shipped from store. And we do smaller retailers, bakeries and, and flower shops and printers and, and just small retailers that are out there that want to have the same sort of service level that, that an Amazon might have but certainly can't pay for that infrastructure to do it. So crowdsourcing is a perfect solution for businesses, small and big alike. Yeah. I just really love this business model because there's like, there's other companies that almost focus on like this large oddball freight, right. That like, doesn't just like always fit perfectly in like a Uber type of vehicle. But then sometimes I wonder if they're missing out on like the freight or packages, right. That could fit into smaller, but this, this almost takes, advantage of both it's like it, you you have like yeah. widen your scope of people that you can help solve this issue with so it's it's really interesting the more you think about it you think about the fleet i mean we've got everything from priuses to pickup trucks and box trucks in the fleet so whether you're delivering cupcakes or a couch we can do it with the same framework and because people are already heading in a direction anyway the cool thing is if you think about you know, typical supply chain trucks get loaded up, you know, 5 a.m., they're out the door. Depending on what the service level is for any particular client we work with, we could pick something up and the driver could pick something else up on the way to delivering that if it's a same-day delivery um, expectation. So literally, you can add things to the truck after they've left the dock, which is pretty novel in this in this area. Yeah, it's a, it's a concept that's being picked up, I'd say, late by some of the bigger guys. So <laughs> you've, uh, you've jump-stepped them in, in that direction for sure. And you know, I will say, give props to everyone um, who's been a part of your website. I really enjoyed the like alphabetical um, you know, choosing of different types of products and how much it would cost. You guys are very open about your cost and, and what you can do as a company. And, and really, it really showcased all types of, of products. And uh, the one thing I noticed too is that you do insure a lot of these products too, which makes even more sense when you look at the fact that you're helping with the airlines as well. Um, are, is there any products or offerings that you're looking to you know, add in this new year or what are you hoping to take Rody uh, and grow Rody um, in, in 2022? I think we sort of go where a lot of the big retailers lead us. I think what you're going to find is a lot more SKUs are going to be available for same-day delivery as retailers generally try to get more of their aisle or extended aisle to the store or at least closer to all of their customers to compete with folks like Amazon. I also think you're going to get the same levels of service you see in the NFL cities you know, to rural America. We deliver in you know over 1,900 tractor supplies. So um, getting the same type of service that you know we can give there that you can in bigger cities, which is a little bit harder to do. Definitely. And so we're just getting out of this pandemic, right? Fingers crossed. Mask, yeah. mandates are starting to settle. Um, shots are all out there. Boosters are, are getting done. And uh, for you, you know, this is the type of business model that came, I feel like, out of the pandemic, right? Like the ability to get things delivered when and where you need them to. Do you feel like, um, do you expect people to continue to use these type of services outside the pandemic? Is this here to stay or do you see maybe having to change a little bit with the consumer in the future? 
No, I think people say there's pre-pandemic and then there's post-pandemic. I don't think there's post-pandemic. There's just now, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 how we are right now, and I think all the pandemic did for folks like us that had plenty of deliveries prior is it just it sort of sped up the retailers. You know, it pulled away all the bureaucratic red tape, and folks that didn't have an option to bring their stores to customers were kind of getting left behind because a lot of the stores were closed. And that's why you saw the advent, you know, of, of, of curbside and pickup in store and, and, and same day delivery with folks like us. So I think you've just taken a group of people that have started to expect delivery and realize you don't want to burn two or three hours of daylight going to the store and back, especially if you got kids, you got to strap them into the car and bring them there. It's easier just to have some stuff delivered. You've got an older generation that might not have used an Instacart or, or some shopping app to get their groceries that now might has tried it out over the pandemic because they had to um, and they, they couldn't get out or didn't want to get out. And now they've realized it's just easier. So I think you've pulled forward by two to three years, you know, the adoption would have had. And sure, there's places it might it might fall off. I think you've probably already seen it in some of the the food apps that are delivering because people want to go out to a restaurant. They're 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 tired of eating their spouse's cooking. Um, but uh, <laughs> in the convenience sector, I think it I think it continues to continue because it's not like we want anything to get any less convenient than it's already been shown to us it can be. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those consumers for sure, where it's like the, I don't, it's funny you say that too, because I almost find myself doing it less now with food and more with like oddball stuff. Like I just ordered drapes the other day to get delivered here. It's like weird stuff that before I would go to the store, but you start to realize like, it can be time consuming and there's different ways that you can spend that time. Um, so as much as, you know, I started the episode talking about how much I love department stores. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I'm one of those that's changed. And I think as, as we start to see even you know, a lot of these boomers were, were continuing to retire and, and move into home, I think they're going to start using these apps a lot more too, to get things delivered. So I, I agree. And, and you guys seem to have a very good, um, beat to the consumers and, and how you're able to apply this product to the road. So congrats to you guys. Where can uh, our I, I think I think you're actually sure yeah, you can. I think you're by the way, I think you're every consumer because it, with you, what you just said is you just want optionality. The drapes might not need to yeah. get there for five or six days this time. But if you had a party tonight, you would want them delivered same day. So for the exact same mm-hmm. purchase, you could have a different requirement just depending on what's going on in your life. And everybody is like, um, that's why retailers more than same day or more than like ground, they just need to have all the options there because if they don't, then customers will find folks that do. To answer your question, you can find Rody at Rody.com, Rody uh, delivery on the uh, on the uh, App Store on Apple or on Google Play to become a driver and you can sign up to send things on the uh, on the website at Rody.com. Awesome. Thanks for being with us, Mark, and uh, make sure that we get in touch with you for future events as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and speaking of future events, we've got some really fun ones coming up. So March 16th, we have, which I believe is a week and a half, two weeks from now, we have the 3PL Summit, which I am already working on some things for that. So um, go check out the speaker lineup. If you are a logistics provider, this is going to be a great one for you. But even bigger than all of that, we have live events coming back, people. Get ready for our live event that's happening in May in Rogers, Arkansas, at the Rogers Convention Center. 
the future of the supply chain show. I'm super excited to see all of you guys there. Um, I think it's going to be a really great time. There's a, a bunch of really great retailers and partners. We've got um, in Rogers, J.B. Hunt, right? Uh, Walmart's huge down there. And we already have a list of really great speakers. Nestle will be speaking. Tyson Foods will be speaking. Majestic Steel will be there. Um, and of course, we got some amazing leaders. The governor of Arkansas is keynote speaking. Uh, we have a representative from the Pentagon that's going to be there too. So make sure that you guys are getting your tickets for that. Uh, just go to live.freightways.com and you guys can start getting those tickets today. Other than that, thank you everyone and enjoy the week and I will see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.